0: This week on The Sport Blokes.
1: This week we discuss all the latest big news from the NBL off-season, some rough stories for those on two wheels, Alberto Nanino gets shafted at the under-20 Athletics Championships, and the pointy end of the AFL season's on us, who are the legitimate finals threats.
0: A lot of fascinating stories. Let's go. It's six past three on Saturday the 6th of August 2022, and as we do sometimes... What we'll caught your
1: attention and you this. <laughs> yes. How you going, mate? It's oh, going look, yeah, yeah, good, good, man. Good work's going well, which is something I haven't been able to say for probably a good three years now. I You'll could... be jumping on a plane soon? I will be, yeah. I get, uh, I think my alarm's set for about 12 hours from now, funnily enough to get up oh, to go to the airport. <laughs> is, uh, the old 6am flight to Melbs, but yeah. that's all right. They're that's killers. It's all, all good. How's yourself?
0: Yeah, not too bad. Went and saw the great Tex Perkins last night at the Stealing Arms. Nice uh, old-fashioned intimate pub gig, which was great. And we're right at the front and got a photo with him afterwards and everything and my girlfriend had a moment with him not that not, not that sort of moment like not a backstage moment but, um, <laughs> but like he, he gave her one of his guitar picks and he had all these lollies uh the snakes on stage and he was sticking them in his fretboard and pulling them out and like eating oh, a song and stuff it was great fun though yeah he,
1: he liked Alan's lollies
0: uh it was uh those uh healthy ones oh god yeah no, they're all right. I'm,
1: you know, you're old, well, you get an old one. He
0: gave my girlfriend a black currant one, and she ripped it in half and gave me a half. So that was nice. It was a tasty yeah. uh, Tex Perkins snake. There
1: you go. She said Texas snake in it. <laughs> there you go. It had to be said. It had to like I said,
0: it wasn't one of those moments. Not a backstage moment. Anyway. Anyway. Well, call your attention. What'd you miss?
1: We finally got there. <laughs> so I've got three things this week. Uh, first one that caught my attention was this hideous crash at the Tour de Bergos cycling race in Spain, and absolutely ridiculous, caused by a fucking speed bump.
0: Mm, They planned that route well, didn't they? Yeah,
1: a speed bump right in the... And get this, 700 metres from the finish line. Oh, So we're not talking the middle stages where guys are just taking it easy. We're talking like full sprint to the line. It's an obstacle course. It it is. (laughs) It is. And it's one of these ones that I didn't even see it until after the guy fell over. So I was like, well, how are these guys going to see it as well? All I saw
0: was a, an aerial photo of it and it was horrendous. Can't, yeah, I didn't see any video but
1: So the the third guy in the pack, so this guy named David Decker, he is just sitting behind two other teammates. All of a sudden, he's just his arms go up. He goes flying off. And it was like him and his bike spread out as far as they could across the track. Yeah, right. And took out... Probably two-thirds of the, the trailing pack. And it was a big pack. We're yeah, talking the
0: peloton. Just scores of people. Yeah. Man, yeah. Oh, they, the carnage. They're just going everywhere. You and, couldn't differentiate where one body finished and another began. It was
1: ridiculous. Do you know the most amazing thing about it was how few people actually hit him on the way through? Yeah, okay. Because he's come off and he's just sitting in the middle of the road where the pack's going through. And I think maybe one or two guys clipped him. Oh. And you think like he should have got run over constantly, kind of like, oh, I'm trying to, was it Sideshow Bob? With the rakes or something. That's well, what I think I'm of I'm thinking, think of... like, side, oh, well, actually, probably more like Sideshow Bob and the Cactus Patch or something. Oh, like yeah,
0: yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, not,
1: it's not a particularly good reference, that one. Oh, no, <laughs> well, you
0: know, we squeeze in Simpsons if we but, can.
1: But a great episode.
0: But it's got to be said, Stewie, the speed bump did slow them down. So it its It us did its job.
1: Us job. <laughs> I mean, if speed bumps are there to put people in hospital, then it's mission accomplished. But, yeah, it was... Uh, ooh.
0: Oh
1: Do you know, the one positive for him was that the three guys that were ahead of him were all in his team, and they finished one, two, three.
0: Oh, the conspiracy buffs of the... Uh...
1: Yeah, so it almost looks like he kind of... Fell on his sword for the team. Oh, dear. But uh, oh, not, not good. Not good. Mm. I have to say as well, I've been to Burgos before. It's a beautiful little town. I'm not a heavily religious guy, but I went into the cathedral there and I had a legitimate warm wash. Yeah, wonder. Okay. I don't, I don't know whether maybe they have the aircon set to heat. When
0: you stand in a particular yeah, area, it's set right? to
1: heat or something. I, I kind of, actually, here's a Simpsons reference. Remember the... um the bit where, where everyone thinks that they're, they're having moments and visions, but it's because there's, they're at Maud World, but they're standing over like a loose gas. Plate. Oh, that's right. Yes. <laughs> it's kind of like, maybe it's like that. Uh, no, so yeah. leg- just catchphrase. Legitimately. <laughs> oh, that is a blast from the past. No, look, a, a really incredible experience that cathedral say, I, I enjoyed it. They do have a bit of wood in there that was found in a nearby, well, reportedly found in a nearby river and the hair and the fingernails grow on it and it's shaped like Jesus apparently. Oh,
0: of course. Yeah. 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 So um, So it's not petrified wood.
1: Well, no. no. Great great marketing team though, at (laughs) at the very least. Now the second one, this one goes back a little bit. Now you and I, we have made it very clear to everyone. We don't have a particularly strong fondness towards the MotoGP and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah.
0: I tend to follow ball sports more than
1: motorsports. We do. So this one goes back to the start of June. And because we don't follow that stuff I hadn't really looked for it, and it's just kind of popped up on my Facebook recently, and it was probably one of the best premature celebrations you'll see in sport. Oh, no. Absolute howler from a guy named Alex Espargaro. Now, he drives for Factory Aprilia, and in the Catalonia Grand Prix, which is his home Grand Prix, let's just put that out there as well, so it's even worse, he's sitting second coming into the final lap. He's a little bit behind Fabio Quartararo, who is the, the top of the, the leaderboard. All of a sudden, though, he just sits up and looks like he's celebrating. And the commentators don't know what's going on. They're thinking, oh, is he having problems with his engine or something like that? And then all of a sudden, a few seconds later, it you know the penny drops and they're like, oh, he thinks the race is over.
0: He's still had a lap left. He's still
1: had a lap to go. Oh, man. And everyone starts going past him. Oh, man. They do the the numbers in terms of the laps that are left a little bit different at the Catalonia. So they, they basically would usually have a one left But at Catalonia, they put a zero up to say this is your final lap. So he assumed that the one, yeah. That should be standard, shouldn't it? It should be. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Jeez, we're recording choke five after this. Uh, That's (laughs) a choke choke if ever. Systemic
1: choke. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. And so, yeah, he sat up and he's managed to finish fifth, which is not great considering he was second. And the thing about it that makes it even worse is that he was sitting about, I think it was 11 points behind Cuadraro in the standings. If he'd finished second, it would have stayed at I think it would I think it was twelve points, but this drops him to twenty one. So it's a big drop.
0: Yeah, it's a big mistake.
1: Big 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 mistake. So yeah, um, never uh, never celebrate too early if you can. No, indeed. Speaking of celebrations, the last thing that caught my attention. Oh yes, some chocolates. No, well actually, they could they could have been chocolate. You always country.
0: come prepared. You you often like the little snacks. I and, do. Uh, you got some Tex Perkins snakes there today. I no, you got some runts.
1: Got there. the runts, and yep. I've got the got the Kit Kat as well. But, uh, no, celebrations to Belarusian tennis star Victoria Azarenka, who had a birthday last week, I think it was. Oh, happy birthday. And she tweeted, making my years count instead of counting the years, 33. <laughs> oh, dear. What? Yes. You just counted the years? Yes.
0: Like... you just Draymond.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Draymond Green, absolutely. <laughs> so I, I saw that and I was like, you cannot be serious here, <laughs> like... You literally put one full stop between what you said you weren't going to do and doing it. Did you read the replies? Did people call her out? I, no, everyone was really nice, which was good. And I, I was like, mm, do, I, mm, do I want my, my first Do I want to be that guy? Yeah. I
0: don't know. Yeah, it's
1: hard. Um, I mean, chance of that, she probably didn't read any of them. But yeah, it was all just happy birthdays, which is how it should be. And when you get yeah,
0: I, I struggle with the uh, Stefanos Sitsipas tweets the most because I oh. always want to reply, and I think I have on one or two occasions, about his bathroom habits. But, I, uh...
1: A great little back and forth with one of the uh, the Tsitsipasians. The <laughs> he, uh, I think... We got maybe two comments in before he said, well, "Your parents called you Stuart. I'm like, "What's your oh, point?" Oh, wow! I was like that's well, where- he wins. That's where you're gonna go. Yeah, like,
0: well, that's uh, how can you defend that?
1: I, I don't love my name at the best of times. That's but- ridiculous. That's like, no, a good name. That's ridiculous. Is that is that that's all ridiculous. you've got? <laughs> yeah. And and I just I just steered it straight back to tennis because he's saying, "Oh." stefanos is he's so unique and blah, blah blah i was like what's unique about him When is like,
0: unique in that he like, ruins the rules by going to the yeah, all like
1: time. aside from exactly, yeah aside from going for a shit when he shouldn't pretending to there's nothing unique about him. i was like medvedev's better than him spareev's better than him alcaraz is better like there's all these guys that are better than him and one more he's like oh well, he's won this many titles i'm like great medvedev's won a grand slam Like,
0: what are you talking about? Uh, The homers and the defenders.
1: And then he went straight back to, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, mate, I've given you all I need to. Give me something. I'm happy to admit if I'm wrong, if you can give me some stats or some facts, you're just spouting off insults. Anyway. Yep. Whatever.
0: Twitter. The best and worst of the world.
1: Anyway, mate, enough about me. What caught
0: your attention? Well, a couple of things. A couple of these are a little bit old, too, and but they're funny. So Al Hraboski, I hope I said that correctly, accidentally referred to Ron Jeremy when he meant to talk about Ron Burgundy in the aftermath of the St. Louis win over Cincinnati in the Major League Baseball.
1: Oh, he's made a massive dick of himself, there. <laughs> Ha-ha!
0: Oh, we're nearly at the dick joke quota already, and we're only about 10 minutes in. Sweden's 22-year-old Aman Duplantis broke his own pole vault record by a decent amount at the Athletics World Championships. So to only be 22, this guy could be something pretty special mm. when all said and done, if he can keep going on. Incidentally, Michael Johnson got in some hot water for questioning some record times on the track at the same event. There was a bit of back and forth there. He's defended himself, and I think some of it might have been a bit unfair criticism. Three-time LPGA champion Jan Stevenson has detailed an old brief romance with Donald Trump. Spoiler alert she chose golf over him.
1: Why would you do that? <laughs> Who wouldn't want a man with small hands?
0: And uh here's a tweet from Zach Berman. From April 2016 to June 2017, Philly's teams had five athletes drafted number ones and twos in their respective drafts. Carson Wentz 2 in 2016, Mickey Moniak 1 in 2016, Ben Simmons 1 in 16, Foots 1 in 17 and Nolan Patrick number 2 in 2017. All five are now gone. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That, that really is. i got to say, though, I give James Harden a lot of criticism, and obviously we'll get to the basketball very shortly, but he is looking pretty good. He has slimmed down, and he's taking this, this season uh, pretty seriously, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, he took a massive pay cut. He's only getting paid, what, 30-something million this year? Well,
0: and it was that old thing. It seems like this great altruistic thing, but a lot of teams are doing it. They're waiting for their star to, like, they, they're the last person to sign because they go over the cap first. Mm. And then they can sign that person. He'll get his money next season. Don't, you worry, that. Don't you worry about that. Don't you worry about that. What
1: would you miss, mate? Well, I dare say it's probably going to be fairly similar for both of us. The Commonwealth Games has been it has been very interesting. But it's on at an absolute shite of a time. And well, certainly for me, not so much for you.
0: Uh, yeah, for I, I've watched bits and pieces, but not a hell of a lot at all, yeah. Yeah,
1: I mean, I've managed to catch a bit of the beach volleyball, which I'm enjoying. Love, love the beach volleyball, especially because the Aussies are really good at it. Uh, but yeah, I haven't really seen much. Didn't get to see much of the three on three basketball. Had to watch a bit of that on catch up. I've seen a bit of the badminton, which has been quite Oh, cool. yeah. I
0: saw a bit of that too the other day. Yeah. yeah when seems... I've been working from home, I've chucked it on for half an hour in my lunch break, a couple of days here and there. Yeah.
1: But, yeah. It just seems like every time I turn it on, it's like cycling or Oh, I don't was... mind
0: cycling though. I like the velodrome.
1: Do you not like the velodrome? Oh, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's maybe lost a bit of its romance because of the amount of horrible crashes there have been.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah
1: there was that one you see the bloke went into the crowd. Yes,
0: that was crazy. Sweet Jesus. Yes, man. yeah, probably should have been what caught your attention. Well, we'll, yeah, no, that was that was nuts. Yeah, we'll yeah. probably
1: recap the com games maybe in the, the next one that we do. But yeah, it's, it's just so much to talk about, and unfortunately, yeah, not enough time no. to to do that. I've
0: been more footy focused. Yep. yep. yeah. So She's, same thing. Same boat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. yeah, fair call.
0: So we'll start with basketball, Stewie, and a few bits and pieces today. Not not a heap of NBL stuff. As far as signings, we might go over them a little bit. Half
1: an hour worth. Yeah, them. maybe. Yeah, I
0: shouldn't say that, <laughs> no. should I? Because we always go longer. But first, we've got to talk about the very sad passing of one of the absolute statesmen of the game. One of the just legends, both on court and off. Went through a hell of a lot. Celtics champion and an 11-time champion at that, Bill Russell.
1: Yeah, geez. I mean, what a an amazing resume this guy has. As you say, 11-time champion. That's a record that will never be touched. I just, I can't see anyone. No, it's
0: very hard to see how that could possibly be.
1: Getting past four or five nowadays is difficult. Absolutely. Five-time MVP, 12-time All-Star, 11-time All-NBA, three firsts and eight seconds. All defensive first team, the only season he actually played that they had that category. They they started in 1969. Two-time NCAA champion as well. So very, very good at all levels.
0: First African American coach, yes. and indeed was a player coach too.
1: He was, yeah, one yep. of the championship teams as well. Yep. So yeah, amazing. Do you know he never averaged less than eighteen point six rebounds a game? <laughs>
0: that's nuts. Less it?
1: than that, that's never. Nuts.
0: I wonder what the field goal attempts were in those games, but yeah, that's still crazy. Oh, it?
1: the percentages back then were horrible. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Guys that shot forty percent were considered elite, but I mean to be doing that, and-, and you you can
0: watch the footage, and he like he just. A man amongst boys, wasn't yeah. he really? Like... So,
1: and this is the the issue that I have is that all of the stuff on YouTube for Wilt Chamberlain for Bill Russell, they're all saying the same things. Oh, they're playing against plumbers. And yeah, all that well, so they've got to play against someone. So and they did it against each other as well. So oh, absolutely, just...
0: and it doesn't matter like who the plumber is, you can still. A massive block is a massive block. Whoever's yeah. taking the shot, like, or whatever it might be, yeah.
1: And, and it's not like they were the only decent players back then. You have guys like, you know, Bob Pettit was a pretty decent player back
0: then. Well, that's the only championship he didn't win was to Bob Pettit at the Hawks. There you go. And then he came back and destroyed them from memory. So, yeah. 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 So
1: there were other guys in those eras that were, were still pretty decent players. Of course, of course. And so when you look at that number that I gave you, 18.6, the only guy since the 1970s to average that much in, in one season, Dennis Roman. Right. 91-92. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that's it, more
0: than I realized.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. 18.6. Gee. And it's nuts. Like, the top 18 single-season rebound per game averages, nine for Russell, nine for Wilt. Right. There they you go. dominate it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the only two guys to ever have 50 rebounds in a game. It's uh, You could just go on and on. But I think what you sort of said, in terms of him being like a trailblazer...
0: Well, no, he was a Celtic.
1: Oh, God, he did it. <laughs> sorry that's, that's right bill walton was the yeah, yeah, there yeah, yeah there
0: he was also a celtic funnily he was
1: true. <laughs> damn it uh sam bowie never played for the celtics <laughs> no that's true he was a laker he was but yeah look so he was probably the most influential player in the history of the game when you consider what he did off the court top little...
0: three definitely if not number absolutely. one absolutely yeah
1: yeah if you go back to the there was a 1961 boycott so the celtics were playing the hawks in a preseason game in Kentucky. And a couple of the Celtics guys went into a restaurant there and they basically tried to sit down. Um, I think it was Sam Jones and um, Satch Sanders. They tried to sit down and the lady said, I'm really sorry, but we don't serve Negroes. It
0: was a segregationist, yeah.
1: And so basically they've gone back and they've told Bill Russell about it. And Bill said, well, fuck it, we're out of here. And they've, they've taken five players from the Celtics and a couple of guys from the Hawks and said, we don't want to be here anymore. We're not going to do this exhibition if you're going to be that racist. And and he stood up for it every single day doing his part to basically pave the way for the African-American players today to have the world that they have and the life that they have. I mean, you look at how many of these players are making life-changing sums of money and what they're able to do with it because of guys like Bill Russell, you know, who... Absolutely. Was- oh, yeah,
0: yeah. And and the Celtics and Red Auerbach, you know, copped a lot of heat for drafting an African-American as well and and they're an important part of this story, but... He is just, uh, just. What, what, what I find so inspiring is the shit that he went through. Like, literally, people broke into his house while they were on road trips and smeared shit on his walls because they were racists. The fact that he could still persevere and would still have a positive attitude, that laugh is so warm when you hear him laugh. It's such a lovely thing because I watched lots of interviews this week with him talking to a bunch of people. Kevin Garnett, like the intensity in Kevin Garnett's eyes, he hangs on every word that Bill Russell says. As he should. Absolutely, absolutely. And and we're doing a 1991 redraft like we did the 1991 a couple of episodes ago. Check it out if you haven't heard it already. But in my research for that, Um, I heard uh, um, Dikembe Mutombo on Knuckleheads, the podcast that uh, Robbie talked about when we were on their show, The Throwback Hoops, episode 38, I think it was. Check that out, too. Um, 39. 39, was it? Yeah. Uh, Check them both out. Yeah, They're they're great boys. Check check, them all out. Look at
1: 30. Yeah, yeah. Start at one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But but Dikembe was saying that Bill Russell, when he was just coming out of college, Bill said... Oh, you know, do you have some time? I'd love to spend some time with you. And it can be thinking, oh yeah, we'll go in the gym. And he's like, no, 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 we're just gonna walk around for two days and hang out and and you know, I'll tell you about America and and just be like a, an extra father figure, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah.
0: yeah so so he just he was just he just gave back so much to the game. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, like we say, one of the many reasons why he's just so revered
1: absolutely well and look the good thing is we've we've done some really sad rips recently the mind immediately goes to shame oh it's
0: been a horrible year rod marsh as well in that couple of day period yeah yeah
1: bill was 88 so yeah he he lived a full life he lived a good life he was able to to do more than he probably imagined he'd be able to do in his life but yeah he can absolutely rest in peace and all the thoughts and prayers with the Russell family. And,
0: and now he's playing one-on-one in heaven with Wilt Chamberlain.
1: Absolutely. Oh, she's yeah. that'd be a fun... <laughs> what a That'd content. be fun to
0: watch. It would, it Bouncing would. off clouds and dunking on each other. Indeed, indeed. So good. So like I said, we won't go too hard on this now. We'll do a preview closer to the start of the season, I think. But there has been some NBL news that we thought we'd look at. And probably a couple of talking points we'll focus on a little bit more. But first things first, the, the signings have really started to domino along, haven't they?
1: They have. Yeah, look, Melbourne United have had a pretty decent week at has that, to, Yeah, see.
0: they've gone from like going holy shit we've lost half
1: the team to going all right, we've replaced half the team and they all look pretty good. We've done alright. <laughs> yeah. So, they signed Isaac Humphreys about a week ago, which look if he can stay on the court. With, That's the key. We know what he's capable That's, of. That's
0: if he it's a great signing if he can if, stay on the court. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. But look, their their trio of imports looks really good. Oh yeah. Xavier Rathan Mays, we know about.
0: Yep, known commodity.
1: Very underrated playmaker. We know that he can score.
0: He can play defense. He can
1: play defense. So we know what we're getting with him. But then you've got Rajon Tucker. Now I don't know if you've seen the highlights. Oh, mate,
0: this guy can jump.
1: Jesus, the bounce on him is holy
0: shit. Yeah, yeah. The like the highlight packages will be exciting. Yeah.
1: So he's going to dunk on at least a few guys. Can't wait. And from all accounts, pretty decent catch and shoot guy from three as well. Like he's super quick, so he's going to get past guys. But I think that's probably the big thing is if he can shoot the three. That speed is going to open up so many opportunities for him, and
0: the lob threat will be fun so... Oh, it will be. Yeah, it will be. yeah.
1: The only issue I have seen so far is that he is a bit of a black hole. Let's oh, yeah, just call okay. it what it is. Yeah, yeah. He averaged more turnovers than assists in college. Oh,
0: yeah. Okay, that is which that is a red good. flag. Yeah, okay.
1: But we kind of had a similar worry about Xavier Mumford, and he turned out to be pretty decent. So I, I guess.
0: There's hope. It can it can depend on the makeup of the team too. So if he is the be all end all of that college team, and maybe the coach said to him, I need you to carry this team on your shoulders. Who yeah. knows? You know, share the load a bit more. Obviously, they've got guys like Chris Golding. So there's some veteran presences that he'll have to have to be around. But geez, the talent that they've lost. Dilly, Jack White, JLA. My goodness.
1: Absolutely. And then we've got Jordan Caroline, who we've we've had a bit of a look at some of his highlights.
0: Yeah, I'll be honest, I haven't seen a hell of a lot, but from what I've seen, he looks all right.
1: He looks kind of similar to Tucker in a way, you know. Decent outside shooter, pretty offensive athletic, boards, a little bit bigger, which is uh, which is probably an advantage. But I mean, you know, once you've got three of these guys who can all put the ball in the basket with Golding.
0: I think the league's gonna be pretty deep this season. It is. It's gonna be exciting. No easy wins.
1: No, none. Even teams like Brisbane who... Yeah, I know,
0: team. who went from that kind of team that could be the team you punch down to to now a team that's looking bloody good with Aaron yeah. Baines and others. And
1: Tyler Johnson. Yeah, yeah. A
0: huge NBA, yeah. Like
1: that pick and roll combo is very, very scary. We know what Baines can do shooting the ball. If he's back to even close to what he's been in the NBA and, and in some of these international comps, I mean, yeah, look out.
0: Well, that's true. It, it's a bit of an unknown commodity. How will he return from that injury? But, geez, I'll tell you what, he has the potential to absolutely beat down on the the smaller bigs. And the NBA does have some smaller bigs. It does. So
1: My only concern is that both of those guys still have NBA dreams. Now, but like, but well,
0: you know, hey, I, I didn't expect Delhi to go back, so sure. anything's possible, isn't it? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Well, this is it. We get yeah. to
1: towards the trade deadline and teams start panicking, oh, we need a good dependable backup. Or
0: yeah, injuries as well, you know.
1: That's exactly. That, yeah. That's when you might go, oh, Aaron Baines is still available, or we need a, you know, a pretty decent backup point guard who can shoot the ball. Tyler Johnson looks like a pretty decent option as well. He's got Obviously, that NBA pedigree, having been there for that many years, so
0: yeah. Well, it's I guess it's one of those things that the NBL always has to deal with, isn't it? Yeah. But some NBL and NBA games coming up too. True. Adelaide playing, if not others, so that'll be a bit of fun.
1: And look, something we were going to talk about with uh, with Woody and Robbie the other week before I stuffed up and left the pack of cards at home. <laughs> we were going to talk a little bit about the the Sydney and the Perth signings. So we'll start off with Sydney. They've got three guys they picked up. So Derek Walton Jr. Justin Simon and Trey Sores. Now, we know Justin Simon again. Yeah, another we've, known commodity. We've watched him with the Hawks be this defensive beast, a guy that you just you can't get past, basically. I
0: feel like he was maybe their best player in that semi-final series against Perth a few seasons. I don't think maybe. I think yeah. he definitely was, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: So, we obviously, yeah, we know what we're getting with him. Derek Walton Jr., I mean, he was a defensive beast in the NBA and the G League in terms of, but he's a guy who will get you two or three steals a game. Okay, maybe not, like, the greatest outside shooter, but he's pretty handy in the mid-range, which kind of a lost art in the NBL. And, yeah, he'll get you steals and blocks. Like, that's that's what you want. Like, and they've
0: got guys like Vasily Rich. He doesn't piss off, too, so he can shoot the threes for him.
1: Yeah. Now, I don't know much about Trey Soares. I, I believe he's Brazilian, so the, uh, the, the international flavour of the Sydney Kings with Brazilians continues. And the
0: Lazada, yeah, they've already had a Brazilian.
1: Hopefully, Didi Lasagna can do... <laughs> Something in the NBA, uh, I yeah, I, I still don't understand. I never, that.
0: yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. yeah,
1: but look again, three very very handy pickups. For the yeah, they look and, to be. They look to be. And then for the Wildcats, we've got Brady Manek and Tayshawn Thomas. Who, look, Thomas. I'll start off with. He looks. He looks like a guy who'll consistently give you like thirteen and seven. That's kind of what he's been doing internationally for the last few years.
0: I wonder if he's going to be a bit of a Roselle Ellis kind of type for us. A bit of dirty work, rebounding, blocking shots, playing defense. Probably what the team needs. So I'm quite optimistic about the Wildcat signings.
1: Yeah. And look, he's a, a guy who knows his like he knows his role. Stay lane. Yeah. Consistently yeah. shooting low sixties, high fifties from the field. So he's not a guy who's taking too many outside shots. There's actually a bit of Sean long about him.
0: Oh hey, well that'd be great if that's the case. Like, a bit shorter, but a yeah. A bit shorter, yeah. but he's a
1: shot blocker. He goes after stuff.
0: And like I said, on that throwback episode when we were with the boys, he doesn't seem to have a problem playing back to the basket too, which is a bit of a lost art. And I think a bit of back to the basket stuff is a good way to spice up your offense a bit these days. So definitely.
1: Yeah. And then and then obviously look, Brady Manic, there's no shortage of love on Twitter. I think he's a cult hero already.
0: Well, he played for a big college. A lot of people would have seen him in the tournament, including myself. I've seen him more than any, any of the other new imports because of the tournament. So I'm really optimistic about him too, yeah. Yeah,
1: it could be another Nick Kay sort of type where he's got that really good outside shot, but very solid inside. He will happily dunk on people. Yeah,
0: and he'll play defense. He'll hustle. He'll play every second he's on the court. He'll give it his all. And that's that's what you need
1: absolutely yeah you can't ask for anything more than that and from all accounts he is as excited to be here as we are to have him here and i've sort of been talking to some of his relatives on twitter and saying look when you're in perth let us know like we'll happily show you around we want to make this as as great a place for you to be as possible and apparently his family travel like in big packs
0: yeah right okay so
1: it'll be good they'll enjoy the experience being here we know what perth's like we know it's loud we know there's big crowds pretty much every game
0: well, it'll be like the college atmosphere, yeah. Mm. They'll, they'll love Perth Arena, definitely, yeah. definitely. It'll be interesting. I think maybe a month or so into the season, once we've had a chance to see some of these guys, I think it might be a bit of fun ranking the best import trios. Ooh. Because I think at this stage there's a few unknown commodities as far as how they go in the NBL. But once we've had a chance to see them a little bit, there's there's some good triple or... or um.
1: Certainly, certainly good duos, if not yeah, trios, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I think the Wildcats trio is pretty good. It's a good
1: idea, because we did poo poo the third imports last season. Let's be positive this year. Yeah,
0: well, hey, it'll be interesting. I, I just think that the talent seems to be a little bit higher this off season. Now, mm. again, we won't know till we see it, but it does, it does strike me as as being a bit, bit stronger.
1: And let's talk. We might be getting Bronny James in a year or two.
0: Yeah, it's interesting one too. Yeah, well, we have called for it. We called, for, we've called for it back in the day, so it'd be very interesting.
1: He'll go to Sydney.
0: Yeah. Oh, look, it's it's, it's, it's just it's, Melbourne, it's, probably summer race. It's a dumb yeah, deal. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Man, it makes sense. All right. Well, that's the positivity out of the way.
1: A couple of NBL. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah.
0: So we've got a few things that have been announced: the Christmas game, the open air game, and the play-in tournament. Should we not go in that order?
1: Yeah, let's let's start stated to most <laughs> we'll, we'll start off positive. <laughs> uh,
0: what do you think? Christmas
1: game, man. I love it.
0: Yes, this is the one I like
1: I love the yeah, idea of this. Yeah. The reason I love it is that there's nothing on the calendar here yes, exactly. Christmas Day. Exactly. Christmas Day NBA is Boxing Day.
0: Exactly. Boxing yep. Day
1: cricket is Boxing
0: Day. Yep. So And the NFL has its Boxing Day games too. Well, Boxing Day in Australia, Christmas Day. Yeah, yep, definitely.
1: So we we've always woken up on Christmas morning and as soon as the presents are unwrapped, and a couple of beers are down. It's like, well, may as well go to sleep and wake up at <laughs> one o'clock tomorrow morning to watch the Knicks, after the food comer. Yeah. the Knicks versus Bulls or something. So yeah, yeah, I, we haven't I, had a few
0: good years with NBA. It's versus, been terrible. Yeah, it has
1: absolutely terrible. Yeah, I remember there was a one really good game that that just immediately springs to mind. It was the Heat and the Lakers a while back, and that was just a dunk fest. There was just crazy stuff happening all over the place. We had a really good one as well, the Lakers and Bulls, I think it was, uh, a few years back when Derrick Rose was pre-injury. Ah, so, uh,
0: yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, but it, okay. it goes back. Yeah, yeah. It
1: really does. So, yeah, Christmas Day, all for it.
0: Me too. I think one of the things the NBL does really well is filling gaps that other sports and other leagues don't. So bringing Tazzy in when they did, going up to Darwin for the Blitz, these are great initiatives. These are things that the NBL should be doing. And, yeah, like you say, there's there's no one else doing Christmas games. I'm a bit worried about crowd numbers, but maybe they've decided that, look, it might not be a big draw card for crowds, but it's still a good idea and it might be a good way of getting the casual fan in too.
1: The thing is, though, at the end of the day, it's not first thing in the morning. No. So
0: if yeah, you, true. Like not, the NBA would have been. Yeah, yeah. You're, not,
1: you're not taking people away from opening presents and being with families. I mean, look, I don't know about you. We generally do a brunch and we'll maybe do an afternoon tea. After that, though, I can understand there'll be a lot of people that'll miss because they've had... A you different... and I have
0: pretty different Christmas experiences, don't we? Because yeah. I have a lot more family here than you. And, yeah. and so your Christmases and Boxing Days are often kind of quieter than mine. They're mm-hmm. often really crazy for me. So I often don't get to see the NBA Christmas games. Yeah, But like you say, the, the fact that it's on at night time, I'll certainly do my best to I probably will watch it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: That should be good. Yeah.
0: No, looking forward to that one. Then...
1: Things we're not looking forward to as much... <laughs> All right, no open air game. Oh, uh, why, why?
0: It's a gimmick. I don't like gimmicks.
1: Oh, the sky. I haven't seen that in a yeah. Like, I know. Like five minutes. Oh, in
0: Melbourne, it never rains there in summer.
1: Yeah, like
0: I just I was going to go back and try and look at the stats of these open air games. Unfortunately, I, I can't I, I, yeah, they're they're difficult. It just was going to take too long, and obviously we had a lot of episodes to prepare for. So I, I just decided that it was a bit of a sunk sunk time there. But I just. I don't know. I I think sometimes the NBL also, for all it's good that I just mentioned, I think it also sometimes overthinks itself a bit. Yep. So it's a gimmick, right? So gimmicks are to bring in the casual fan. So the casual fan watches it. They all shoot 35% from the field because there's a fucking wind and there's no roof. And then the casual fan goes, oh, that was kind of shit. I'm not going to watch again. Yeah. So I'm not even sure. The, The hardcore fans are going to be watching no matter what. You don't need to draw them in. So it's almost like, it's almost robbing Peter to pay Paul, I think. Like, Are you really, are you really going to get, I don't know. I think it could be a negative backlash from this. Absolutely. If, if, now, if the game turns out to be good, then great. And that's what I hope. Because you want to bring the casual fan in. We want the league to succeed. We're not, we poo-poo because we love. <laughs> mm. But, ugh, I don't
1: know. No, I'm, I'm completely with you. Like, one thing you can say about the wind is it's not constant. No. So one team might have no wind for their possession. As soon as the ball comes down the other end, a little gust comes in and it's harder to shoot. So, yeah, the percentages I can guarantee will be lower. And we well, almost have to coach
0: it differently. You, you go inside more, yep. not less threes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And as a defense, you basically pack, pack the key away and yeah, say, right, yep. if, you, if you can shoot 35% or 40% from three with the wind, go nuts. But as you say, like, what's gimmicky about the sky? Like you see it every day.
0: Yeah. You saw it walking to the stadium. Well, again, it's an excuse to put in the news. Oh, open air game. Like it will get more news. It will. It, yeah. it will do what it wants to do. The problem is, once it draws those eyes in, if they think it's a shitty product, they're not going to come back.
1: It's like underwater games.
0: <laughs> the Atlanta special.
1: Wow. Well, look at all that water. The players all drowned. But, but geez, the water was good. Like, oh,
0: just, don't make it so difficult. You get everyone playing in thongs or something. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, we're, we're... A, big,
1: a big tub of jello or something. Like, <laughs> it's just,
0: yeah, Mud wrestling basketball.
1: <laughs> jello. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. uh, so, we're not fans of the open air game. No. And we're even lesser fans of the play in tournament. Yeah.
0: Now, we've talked about this before. We've talked about it with the NBA. People that listen to us regularly will know our opinion. This will come as no surprise. But, yeah, not a fan. I, the regular season is the play in tournament. Mm-hmm. We've only got 10 teams. Why do we want six out of... It's like the same same argument with the NBA. Having 20 out of the 30 teams still alive after the end of a long regular season cheapens the regular season.
1: All right, let me read you the official statement from the week. We've seen how successful the playing concept has been in the NBA. Now, I'm just going to pause for a second and say, how has it been successful? Uh, Half, Half the games have been shit.
0: That's the thing. So I looked at the results and it is about... Maybe a little bit more than half have been good. But... Half is half enough.
1: No. And the other
0: thing is in the NBA, it stops tanking or, or guards against tanking a bit more because teams can stay alive for longer. There's no there's no draft in the NBL. There's no tanking in the NBL. Yeah.
1: So you don't need to give teams an incentive to keep playing. Correct. Now, finish off the quote. Sorry. No, that's okay. (laughs) No, no, it's it's good. It's good to get passionate. (laughs) So we've seen how successful the playing concept has been in the NBA and the numerous benefits that it has delivered to fans. Teams will stay in the hunt for the championship that little bit longer. Final spots will be decided in new and innovative ways and an extra layer of excitement will be added for our fans. Yeah. I mean. I'm not convinced. I'm not either. Yeah. The only way I can see it working is kind of similar to what they used to do. Teams one and two get a buy.
0: Yes, this is the, it it really benefits to sit top two on the table now. Yeah.
1: Three plays six, four plays five, winners play one and two. I I can live with that. But it's when you're playing these one off games, one off games shit me to tears because it does, you don't have to be the best team. No, that's right. right. You can just show up and have one particularly good game.
0: Yeah. Or one particularly bad game on the flip side. Exactly. Yeah.
1: If you show up and beat a team in a best of three or a best of five, that says that 99 times out of 100 you were the better team it just or or you exploited matchups better or you yeah, yeah. You, you had better tactics whatever yeah. it happens to be but yeah the more
0: deserving winner yeah
1: yeah we, we've seen it it happens all the time where teams that aren't as good win because they have a good day or they they i don't know what something happens it-,
0: it, it helps the teams that might have injuries it helps the teams that might have roster instability that bring in guys late yeah. do we want to help those teams? You know what I mean? No. Like injuries are a part of the game. The league didn't help us when we wanted to
1: bring a, a player. Oh, in and like, this is what I found so funny. They... So
0: when they, when they kind of floated this at the awards night earlier in the season, someone on Twitter made some comment about Perth. And I had to bite back and say, well, hold on, mate. This is the first time in 35 years Perth didn't make the playoffs. Perth's actually the team that least needs a fucking play-in based on history. So it's
1: not and, for Perth. It's and, definitely not and, for Perth. We've, and we've benefited from this sort of thing in the past anyway. Well, we have to keep straight alive. So, yeah, yeah look, bit, yeah. not a fan. I, I just, yeah, 100%. Why do you even have the regular season? Everyone on social media is kind of saying that it's dumb. And I think there's that one way that I describe is the only way I'll get behind it.
0: Now, Stewie, somewhat counterpoint, because I've crunched the numbers on this one of the last six seasons. And look... There's maybe a bit more justification for it in some ways based on record right so all things we'll see well all things said and look i still on the principle of it i still don't like it and i never will for the reasons i mentioned okay but looking at the at the at the records here we go so 16 17 season fifth place new zealand 14 and 14 sixth place melbourne 13 and 15. 17 18 season this is the bad one fifth place illawarra 12 and 16 Sixth place Cairns, 11 and 17. Mm -hmm. So that would produce a pretty shitty play. So neither
1: of those teams deserve it. No.
0: 18, 19, fifth place Adelaide on 14 and 14. Now, Brisbane that finished fourth were also 14 and 14. So percentage, I think, was the tiebreaker back then. They've changed the tiebreakers a few times over the years. Sixth place New Zealand, 12 and 16. Yeah. 19, 20, fifth place Brisbane, 15 and 13. Melbourne were also 15 and 13. Again, they won on tiebreaker. Sixth place New Zealand, 15, 13. 2021, Sydney were 19 and 17. Southeast Melbourne, who finished fourth, were also 19 and 17.
1: That was the rock, paper, scissors one.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay, yep. Sixth place Brisbane, 18 and 18. And then last season, Perth, 16 and 12, and Southeast Melbourne, 15 and 13. So it is a bit of a mixed bag, and, and some people would say there's maybe enough justification cool. there.
1: Based on last season, yes. But there were a couple, I mean, as you say, do you want an 11 and 17 yeah. Cairns team? No, make,
0: not really. No. no. You
1: want teams to be making it who are 500 or above. Maybe one game below you can kind of, but, oh, I don't know. I just I just don't think
0: there's any reason to believe that blokes aren't playing hard at the end of the season. And if they're on a team that is on the playoff bubble, they're going to play hard too because they're playing for their next contract.
1: Well, I mean, we saw it. Southeast Melbourne had nothing to play for in that final. Yeah,
0: that's good point. The final game against Perth. Great point.
1: And they put everything on the yeah, line
0: and it went to ot yeah
1: because they wanted to say fuck you to perth
0: and they succeeded
1: and they did yeah
0: so yeah good point
1: yeah i don't know so Dave, a couple of quick things i wanted to just present to you that i've seen over the last few days on twitter really interesting graphic about will chamberlain now we know obviously how dominant he was he scored 62 or more points against 10 of the 17 teams that he played against
0: <laughs> wow yeah okay I didn't see that one.
1: 62 or more.
0: Yeah, jeez.
1: And, and you've got to keep in mind as well, teams like the Cavs, the Trailblazers, the Clippers, they didn't start until the 70-71 season, True. Yeah, which yeah. was like his second last year.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So the fact that he missed those three teams, you can kind of understand. Yeah, He was on the, the real sharp decline in terms of scoring.
0: But they were all plumbers, Chewie.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> plumbers and firemen. Plumber. Plumbers and firemen.
0: Plumber. I'd love the next expansion franchise to call themselves the Plumbers and firemen. The Las Vegas Plumbers and Firemen?
1: The, yeah, the Fort Lauderdale Firemen.
0: Well, it would be, Vegas will be, or maybe Seattle, Seattle, but I think Vegas will be the next team.
1: The, yeah, that, that would be good, actually. I would like that. Now, he also scored 59 against Detroit, 53 against Seattle. So he had 50s against two other teams. I had a quick look. Have a guess how many guys outside of Wilt Chamberlain have scored 62 or more in an NBA game?
0: How many guys outside of Wilt? Yes. Um... Oh, I'll say
1: probably 20 to 25. It's only 14. Yeah, okay, okay. I'll quickly rattle them off. Yep. Cause there's because there's 14 of them. So Steph Curry, Carmelo Anthony, Kobe Bryant, Tracy McGrady, Michael Jordan, George Gervin, Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, David D- Robinson, Joe Fulks. I'm getting to it. <laughs> Rick Barry, Pete Maravich, Devin Booker, David Thompson, and that's it. And David Robinson. <laughs> so Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. So 14 guys have done it a combined 20 times in the history of the game, Chamberlain has done it 23.
0: Yeah, wow. That's incredible.
1: It is. Now, you've got a little funny about a certain Golden State Warriors player. Oh,
0: God. So, I don't know if this is true or not. But...
1: If it is, ugh, it's not good.
0: So, I saw at NBA memes post that apparently Warriors fans have voted... Jonathan, I can't even read this with a straight
1: face. <laughs> don't like, <know. laughs>
0: Just laugh you want I mean, movie. we've already we've already done our sex jokes for the episode. Well, we probably haven't. But anyway. Um, the Warriors fans have given Jonathan Kaminga, K-U-M, is how you spell his surname for those that don't know, the nickname cumbucket. K-U-M-B-U-C-K-E-T. Yeah, now, cause, buckets mean scoring. Because he shoots. Yeah, on. yeah. Well, scoring. Oh here. my
1: god, no, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh god.
0: This is going to segue into a very perfect bloody hell, which we uh, yeah. haven't have had for a while.
1: Do you think it's maybe pronounced the kum bucket?
0: Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> Kumb- yeah, oh, that's <laughs> all right then. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's it's <laughs> much better. Oh, it's terrible. Kumbaya. <laughs> and now, what made Stu say bloody hell? Well, this week's bloody hell.
0: It's, it, it's <laughs> very deserving Given how long it's been since the last bloody hell, this is very deserving.
1: Yeah, this uh, is another guy who's made a complete dick of himself in public. (laughs) So this goes to the world under 20 athletics championships in Colombia and an Italian athlete by the name of Alberto Nonino. Mm. And uh, he really...
0: No, Pino. (laughs) Yes, Pino. Bloody hell.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he's uh, unfortunately had a pretty nasty wardrobe malfunction at a not so great time. So he's running in the four hundred meters, and he's getting around to the last turn before the home straight. And you know how it is; these guys will quite often wear fairly tight, figure-hugging, what do you call them, lycra suits, yes. I guess, effectively. Yep. yep. And uh, yeah, keep it all in place at the last moment. His uh, his little man has popped out.
0: a <laughs> like, video we saw; it, apparently, he was he went commando. So it was a poor choice on his part. It
1: it was. And so, yeah, as we said, his little man's popped out the side yelling, Viva Italia. Um, And uh, unfortunately for Nonino, he's had to make the conscious decision to try and tuck it back in. And
0: that's the thing. I've seen in the past when some people have sporting wardrobe malfunctions, they just keep going. And he did not. He ruined his whole race trying to fix himself
1: up. He was basically holding on. So instead of striding, he's pretty much holding on to his penis. As everyone just strides past him, he ends up finishing last, which oh, is n- crazy. no real surprise, I guess. But no. uh, yeah, not a particularly great run for him, unfortunately. The uh, Yeah, just it's not a great time, <laughs> is it? I mean, there's there's no great time to have your penis pop out the side of your shorts. No,
0: I can't think of, no, no.
1: But I can't imagine too many worse than being on that sort of stage mm. in front of how many thousands of people. Mm.
0: And in the it, internet age.
1: Is, exactly. And speaking of the internet age, we found something that made it even funnier. Oh,
0: Sports Brief. So on this Brief he should have been wearing brief. He should have.
1: Been. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a website called sportsbrief.com and they've included a link to a I'm assuming it's an Indian gentleman who is giving his recap of this. It's it's great. And there is some very very funny background music yes, in it.
0: Piccolo or something, yeah. His
1: choice of words is nothing short of hilarious. Yeah, like
0: the whole thing is hilarious.
1: The whole thing is brilliant. So Yes, to Albert Nonino and his visible (laughs) no-pino, all I can say is, bloody hell. Or should I say, maledetto inferno. Bloody hell. Bloody hell.
0: So, Stewie, isn't the AFL season heating up? It seems like a lifetime ago that we were kind of feeling a bit apathetic. When would that have been? Maybe two months ago we were kind of like, "Uh, it's a bit of a struggle a little bit, but Everything has changed for me. And look, it helps that the Swannies are doing bloody well. And that does factor in. Like, yes, it's bound it, to factor in.
1: Because the Eagles really take the A out of apathetic. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's yeah. that.
0: That Derby could be interesting coming up.
1: But <laughs> No.
0: <laughs> well, it's going to be their grand final, basically. But, but yeah, I, I've been all about the footy the last couple of weeks. I've watched everything I can. Well, last few weeks, actually. There's been so many great games. There was that draw. There's been an incredible streak we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, the Geelong-Melbourne game was good. The, oh, loving it.
1: Quite a lot of good stuff going on. Yeah, absolutely. I'm Look, I'm getting slowly a little bit more excited about it. It, it has been a very hard season for me. They always are when your team is shy.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: But you're right. There is a lot of interesting stuff going on. And you on. celebrate
0: quality come finals time, no matter who's playing. Yeah,
1: yep, yep. absolutely. You go into that top eight, you'll have one or two teams that you pick out if your team's not there. And you'll kind of barrack for them for the next few weeks, hoping that they make it.
0: Yeah, often to do with players you really like or whatever it might be. Yeah, your partner or, in my case, Freo is my second team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Or, or in my case, just anyone who's not Victorian. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) whatever floats your boat. But, uh, but no, you're right. Like, I mean, at the moment, it's it is. It's kind of all about Collingwood, isn't it?
0: Oh. It's incredible. 11 in a row, beat Melbourne overnight. Now, unfortunately, I didn't get to see the whole game because we were at Tex Perkins. I saw probably three quarters of it, and I did see the end, but we're at the bar, so I couldn't really. I wasn't looking at it super closely.
1: The sound was down, but I got the chance.
0: (laughs) Exactly, Lionel Hutz, yeah.
1: (laughs) Why are you combing your hair with a fork?
0: (laughs) Oh, good times.
1: So, in those 11 straight, they've actually won their last six games by seven points or less. Incredible. Which is nuts. It includes that after the siren winner by Jamie Elliott against Yes, against, against, against Essendon. Essendon. That
0: was nuts. They just shut the bed, the, the bombers. They did. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And so there's been a lot of talk in the last couple of weeks. You know, they haven't really beaten anyone. They've actually knocked Melbourne off twice in this 11 yes, game streak. Yes, they have. Beat Fremantle pretty handily. They beat Port Adelaide, who are starting to play slightly better. Football. Oh, I tip
0: Port in that game. Port have looked good for a, a couple of weeks there. Yeah.
1: And so, Port, Port
0: played Geelong very well. They, they, that was a they, really good game, too. They did. Really good game. They a few did.
1: Weeks a couple ahead. of dodgy decisions for Tom Hawkins. Club. Yeah,
0: he benefited from a free at the end. I do think they probably deserve to win, but they were helped a little yeah. bit. Yeah.
1: But yeah, basically Collingwood's uh, all of a sudden kind of this team where everyone's going, oh, maybe we don't want to play them. Like they're, they're getting really good performances out of a lot of their youngsters. and
0: They're the perfect no-one-believes-in-us team, aren't they? Yeah. Because people are still saying they can't win it.
1: And it's kind of always been an us against them with Collingwood because obviously yeah. anyone who's in Australia will, will know that you just if you're not Collingwood, you're completely against them. Nobody wants Collingwood to win unless you go for them.
0: Very few, yeah. So
1: yeah, it, it is good to see. They've probably got the biggest test coming up right now, actually, which is Sydney away.
0: Well, thank you, Stewie. You've segued perfectly. Oh, there. have you
1: got the same stat as me? I wonder.
0: Oh well, I've I worked out the eight point games and the danger games in the last few rounds. So eight point games basically four points are up for grabs. If you play a team that's around you on the same spot of the ladder, if you lose and they win, it's almost like they get eight points rather than four because you missed out on your four and they got there. A lot of people know that, but not everyone does. So I thought I'd explain that. So. In round 22, well, sorry, this round. So at time of recording, the Sunday games haven't happened and the Saturday night games haven't happened. But Brisbane-Carlton is an eight-point game, potentially. Maybe not as much as when I looked at this list. Carlton have started to drop off. They might be in danger of missing the finals. We'll talk about
1: that in a second, Yep.
0: Port and Richmond, similar thing. So I did write this list a few weeks ago, admittedly. Melbourne-Carlton, Sydney-Collingwood, as you mentioned, next week. Brisbane and Melbourne, Carlton and Collingwood in the final week. We've got St Kilda in the final week as well. So danger games. St Kilda and Brisbane, Frio and West Coast, Derby, it's like a final. Disagree. <laughs> Richmond and Hawthorne, GWS and Frio, St Kilda and Sydney, like I said, Port and Crows. So there's there's a few danger games there too, although that might not be a danger game for Port in the end if they don't make it. true.
1: And look, since 2015, Sydney have won four of six games at the SCG against the Pies, the two losses by seven points and one point.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's an interesting stat because they've been our, one of our bogey teams. So I wouldn't have been surprised if you'd said more, to be honest. Mm. Yeah.
1: But look, there've been a couple of big ones. I mean, last year, Sydney beat Collingwood by, I think, five goals. They beat them a couple of years further back by, like, 70-odd. So, look, it's going to be a good game. Collingwood are in red-hot form. Sydney are playing some pretty decent footy. They played the SCG well, obviously. Oh,
0: and, and, but they've also done a lot without Brody Grundy. He's been mm. missing for most of this streak, if I'm not mistaken. True. So, and Taylor Adams was missing last night as well. So it's not like they're just super lucky with health. They've had some pretty big names out too. So incredible stuff.
1: It is. So I guess that brings us on to something that the we always- we're about there, The standing item. we talking about the standing item, I'm going to throw it to you. How many teams can win it all right now?
0: How many teams can win it all? Geelong, Melbourne. Melbourne can, but I don't think they will. I don't think it's their year. Very hard to go back to back. Hasn't happened many times at all in the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. Brisbane can, I think, buoyed by the buddy Franklin Rumours, will address them. He said that he hasn't decided. We'll see what happens. Pisses me off that that news came out that could derail our finals. It could give them a bit of impetus, Brisbane, for their finals campaign. Us, I think Sydney can make it. And I will put Collingwood in that. So they're the five for me that can win it at this point.
1: I've got three runaway favourites. I think Geelong, Collingwood and Melbourne. And I, I, I agree with you. I don't think Melbourne are playing good enough footy right now. But... Come finals time when it's a one-off, the pressure ratchets up a little bit. And they have
0: the list. So so even if you're in poor form, if you're 22 is better than the other team's 22, even if you're not, you can play yourself into form pretty quick. Here's a question. Do you reckon the Stephen May dramas have maybe...
1: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah.
0: Because they've they've only won, what, four of their last nine
1: or something? I think it is. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of their
0: wins are against teams that aren't in the eight.
1: It's torn them apart.
0: As you say, Collingwood beat them twice. We beat them. Freo beat them. A lot of... uh, Did Geelong beat Melbourne? I'm trying to remember. So, yeah, a lot of their losses are against good teams they'll be Hmm. playing in the finals.
1: So I've gone to the third umpire on this one, just to double-check. As we said, they lost to Collingwood this week, lost to the Bulldogs, uh, lost... Oh, that was a cracking game. Which was a great game. Yeah, yeah. Lost to Geelong. Uh... What else? Lost to Collingwood again. Lost to the Swans. Lost to Fremantle. So in this—that's well,
0: what—that's what kicked off their bad run was that first loss to Frio, yeah. Yeah, and this
1: was at the point where everyone's saying, "Oh, can they go undefeated?" Because
0: and... didn't they? They started the season eleven and, and nothing, I think. Yep. Yeah, under. I mean, we always said that was crazy. That was always ridiculous. Yeah, they might not even finish in the top four. Well, they you... probably will, but yeah. You
1: just never know. There's no guarantee. Now I've got Sydney in a slightly different category. They're kind of straddling the two, kind of like the chasing pack the only reason i put them there is just because they're going to probably end up playing a prelim in melbourne or well if they get through it'll be a prelim and a grand final the granny obviously will be in melbourne this year they may play a prelim there where well, they may not it depends on whereabouts they finish but having to win two games there potentially against victorian teams because the top 3 teams are victorian right now it makes it trickier so, I yeah, just, yeah, it yeah, so yeah yeah it does yeah so it just kind of puts a little bit of a yeah I don't know, a little bit of a dampener on my expectations with this one. No, that's fair enough. You've, look, you've got a very good team. They're capable, but you just don't know. Now, the remaining pack, I'm going to kind of give you some reasons why I think these guys are also reds. Brisbane, we saw the stat. Four out of 31 games at the MCG since 2004.
0: Oh, it's nuts. They've lost their last 11, I believe, at the G. Yeah,
1: And it's not all against the team. No, no, it's been
0: bad teams on occasions. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So that stat is horrific. And it basically says to me they don't have it between the years in Melbourne.
0: And by the way, it just goes to show that they blew their golden opportunity when they had a home grand final potentially. When they blew that, that makes that even worse because they'll never get a better shot than that.
1: Correct. Fremantle haven't won a game in a month. Now, yeah. at time of recording, they're about four goals ahead of the Bulldogs.
0: Still plenty of time, left. Still though.
1: lots of time. But yeah, yeah, they've had two losses and a draw the last three games. So they haven't won a game in a month. If there's a hint of rain, we know that they're pretty much out of it before yeah. the opening bounce. Yep. Yep. The only positive for them is they've got West Coast and GWS leading into the final series. So they, they should get two pretty comfortable wins, I would think. So it gives them a Again, chance. Again, though,
0: they're two teams that their list is better and their 22 is better than their record. So if they play well on their day, I'm still astonished the Eagles have only won a couple of games with that list. Like I know that they had their problems at the beginning of the season, but surely they're good for at least a handful more wins. You, like
1: You would think so. But I mean, again, we've had a lot of issues at the start of the season. The start of the season
0: was really tough. Yeah, Oscar
1: Allen hasn't played a single game yet. Yeah. There's, there's, Issues like that, man. But you have
0: good forwards playing still, though. But yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's a good player. But yeah, yeah.
1: But I mean, as I say, they're just hopefully both of those two teams lose, give Fremantle a bit of percentage, go in on a high. You just never know. Carlton have got Brisbane, Melbourne, and Collingwood. They're three
0: eight-point games,
1: three games that they'll probably lose. Yep. yep. The Bulldogs of Richmond have very winnable games left. There's no guarantee that Carlton even make the finals, and that Adelaide loss becomes huge, even bigger. Yep. And St Kilda haven't beaten anyone quality since round nine. Yeah. So I don't have any faith in them either. No. So. Yeah. But
0: hey, if they win that last game of the season against Sydney in good fashion, you know. But no, I don't, I don't have belief in no. St Kilda either.
1: I'm actually more confident that Richmond and the Bulldogs will get in and make noise.
0: Yeah. I don't disagree with that. I think they're better teams. Yeah. Yep.
1: If those two get in and have to play the likes of Brisbane and Fremantle, that's going to be fun.
0: Yes. Very interesting. Uh, much more fun. Very interesting. So,
1: yeah. Look, I think at the moment, your answer is what five? Five. I'm gonna say three and, a half. And,
0: and I'll and I'll acknowledge that Brisbane might be a little bit generous, but I just wonder if 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 they're excited about buddy potentially coming if their morale is quite good. Hmm. But it was interesting, one of my best mates, who's a Collingwood fan said only three teams can win it, and he Collingwood wasn't one of them. Hmm. He said Geelong, Melbourne, and Sydney.
1: Wow, okay.
0: and he like he's a big fan too. I put credence in his opinions. I know he listens. Shout out if you're listening. But yeah, so that, I found that interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right.
1: So you got five. I got three and a half. Well, yeah. uh, n- not that, yeah, there's one. No, no. It's the, just the, fun. The, 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 yeah. num- the number is eventually going to be one, but yeah. we shall see.
0: How are the standing items? Shui is umpiring.
1: Yeah. Look, I mean, I just kind of wanted to mention a couple of things. So it seems like the umpire abuse and the stand rule have kind of gone by the wayside. Uh,
0: Mm, the the abuse, yes. The stand rule. Mm. I've seen guys taking shots at goal, like running around guys on the mark. The umpire forgetting to say play on. That that shit. That's what I hate. Yeah. About it
1: No, yeah. I'm meaning something like I've seen countless examples of players that are moving around on the mark. They're taking steps to the side, and it's like, yeah, that okay. that was supposed to be an automatic fifty.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, it's, yeah, it is. It should be. Now
1: I'm not complaining because I think those interpretations are the way they should be interpreted players going side to side doesn't impact the play it should just be you know you have to kick over north
0: south but rather yeah. than east west yeah, exactly. yeah yeah
1: so I've got no problems with that but I do feel for the guys who got pinged earlier in the season yes it's a bit rough and I do actually feel a bit sorry for, for Jack Ginevan
0: yeah oh yeah yeah it's I'm pretty sure it's Ginnivan. yeah no, no I always have that great. problem too <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> he's basically the boy who cried wolf
0: yeah a little bit
1: like, at the start of the season he was ripping the arm up he was basically playing for the free kicks And it's gone the other way now. Yeah, I know, I know.
0: Now he's getting mauled and everyone's just like, Oh yeah, no.
1: Yeah, you you put you probably put your arm up, so I'm not gonna pay it. Yeah, I actually feel bad for him because there are there was one there's been some really
0: egregious. Obviously, it hasn't hurt their record.
1: But I mean when you're playing games that are six, seven-point games, it's like one free kick. Oh, yeah,
0: the luck will turn around eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and often they're what would be shots on goal because he plays in the 50. So yeah, no, definitely, Mm. definitely.
1: So I mean, obviously. I feel actually feel for the umpires as well. This has to be the hardest game in the world to umpire. One
0: of yeah, yeah, it's tough.
1: Every single pack, there's gonna be free kicks. I mean, you go back to the Leo Barry mark. There was a free kick to Ashley Sampi that wasn't paid. Well,
0: yeah, holding judge shouldn't have won the fucking Norm Smith Medal in a losing effort. I've reviewed the footage. It was bullshit. Name recognition.
1: That's about as bullshit as Ashley Sampy. There you go. Anyway, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, look, it would be a fucking nightmare trying to adjudicate this because you could you could legitimately pluck four or five holding free kicks or blocked in, in any. Pack. What pisses
0: me off is the the holding the ball and the dropping the ball. They yep. just don't seem to be calling dropping the ball anymore. And you've got to reward blokes for tackles. Why why are you not letting blokes get the benefit of a good tackle? Agreed. So by the way, the tackle record was broken recently.
1: Oh, real? I didn't Yeah, Jude
0: Bolton held it. It was like 20, and now I wish, I wish I'd wish i written it down. Yeah, I think it was 21. Yeah. Wow. We might find out that for next time. We might. Yeah.
1: Now, a couple of absolute champions of the game over here in the West are hanging the boots up. David Mundy set to finish just shy of the magical 400-game mark at Fremantle, and the better of the two Josh Kennedys putting, Definitely the, not. putting the twinkle toes away at West Coast... I wanted to just quickly share a favourite moment with each of these guys because they have been insanely good players. I mean, firstly, obviously, your thoughts on the two of them. Oh,
0: sensational players. Like I've said several times over the years, if Mundy had played in Melbourne, he'd be held in the same regard as like Pendlebury, Koch and those sort of guys. So I think he's terrific. What I didn't realise until recently, one of our best mates was telling me at the quiz the other day that he was recruited as a fullback out of Subiaco. Oh, wow. A fullback. Like he's a tall guy, but yeah. Yeah, wow. But he's chopped his hair off, and so last week my girlfriend was like, what? "What's what's money done with his hair? What does this mean?" And sure enough, he's uh, you know getting himself cleaned up for life after footy. Wow. By, the, by the looks, into of the mean. corporate world, eh? Hey? Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Yeah, Just yeah. The manic money probably be a great. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. The Brady Manick was uh, the, the <laughs> shout show. out to Nick Tan. Well, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, Monday. Yeah, yeah. It's no, I like track. it. Oh, it's, 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 uh, you can use it in many ways. Yeah. I, I think he'd be a terrific coach if that's the road he wanted to travel down. Yeah. But yeah, time will tell. And yeah, oh look, Josh Kennedy. I mean, not many blokes have kicked 700 plus goals. So, I, and we laugh. I wouldn't be surprised if our Josh Kennedy retires too, and just two absolute champions of the game. Did the Eagles win that trade in the end? The Judd trade? Oh, by a country mile. Yeah, I think they won it too. A lot of people say it's a push, but I think they won it. Are you kidding? Yeah, I know, I know. Just because of how good Judd is. But I mean, how many finals games did they play?
1: Probably none. How many-
0: uh, well, I think they they played one because of the Essendon supplement scandal and they beat Richmond there back when Richmond were like the laughing stock of mediocrity. But yeah.
1: I mean, the, okay, yes. Yeah, so you can look at it and say Judd won a Brownlow. What do you fucking do? Did he win a premiership? No. Well, not after he left West. No, no no, so. but no, no. Yeah. Obviously, Kennedy has been the spearhead of the attack. And how many years has it been since Judd retired? Oh well, that's
0: right, and that's why it's a clear win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the
1: longevity. At, yeah, it's not even close for me. So yeah, just quickly, as I said, favourite moments for Monday, It's got to be the goal after the siren to beat Richmond at the G round eight, two thousand seventeen. If
0: I'm not mistaken, I think he's done it twice against Richmond.
1: I think he has actually. Yeah, I think, I think
0: my one might have been a final. I can't remember.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I know. That, I mean, this one was round eight, so that that's the one that kind of really sticks, that sticks out, today. out. Yeah. Because yep. it came straight from the centre bounce as well. Uh, and it was just, yeah, just a great moment. For Kennedy, the 11-goal clinic against GWS at Patterson Stadium. No, not, I'm, not, I'm not calling it that. Subi.
0: Well, that's a sponsor, so, yeah. yeah. It's at Subi. Yeah.
1: So, also a round day, 2014. 11 goals straight that day as well.
0: It yeah. wouldn't have been Patterson's back then anyway. Oh, it was.
1: It was. In 2014? Yep, it was on the video. Oh,
0: ah, yeah. not Crazy John's. Come <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Yeah, 11 goals straight is an incredible outcome.
1: But yes. especially when you consider that most of them were on tough angles. There were probably a handful of them from 49, 50 metres out. So, yeah, the kicking boots were on. The, the stutter was even more pronounced. Yeah, I, I love well, the
0: stutter. That was classic. A
1: thing of beauty. Yep. So, yes, very, very sad to see them both go. But Father the time remains undefeated.
0: Indeed. Now, we've got to talk about some serious stuff here. If people don't want to hear this, they, that's up to them. They can look at the timestamps. But I think it's important and I think it's stuff we must discuss. We must. So the Adelaide training camp saga has been whispered about, talked about for several years now. And every now and then it comes back to rear its ugly head. And it is an ugly head. It was a terrible situation. So there's been a couple of things recently. So there was an Eddie Betts um, article in The Age, A Knife, A Harness and the Power Stance. Eddie Betts reveals cult-like training camp. And it talks about his new autobiography, The Boy from Boomerang Crescent where he talks about the secretive four day camp that was held on the gold coast. I'll read a couple of quotes. Now we, I do have a fair bit here. There's also a Josh Jenkins thing we want to talk about too. So it's a bit quite heavy, but I think it's, it's pretty powerful stuff and I think it, it's better to just use their own words. So he said it was like a piece of me was brainwashed. He writes that confidential information that had been given in private counseling sessions were then misused and the camp co-opted sensitive Aboriginal cultural rituals that offended him and jeopardized the well-being of him and other young Indigenous players. So this, this psychological assessment, it was hour long and players were encouraged to give up really sensitive information. And the players that had really tough upbringings had to say some pretty harsh stuff and, and, and thought they were doing so in a safe space but then they did this activity where they literally strung these blokes up on a tree, gave them a machete to try and cut themselves down while people were hurling insults and, and using information that were taken from these, what they thought were private psychological sessions. Mm-hmm. And anyone knows, religious, lawyer, psychologist, doctor, these things should be privileged and protected. And it's, it's just disgusting.
1: And this is why I don't like SAS Australia.
0: Well, so this is interesting. So I agree. I think there's some confronting stuff in that. And there's been many times over the years where I said I would watch and then I never have. So I've never actually watched SAS Australia. I was kind of interested in the Wayne Kerry stuff, for example, but I never got there. The difference to me is that that's, they go in with a little bit more knowledge of what is to be expected, yeah. particularly after season one. So once they've seen season one, well... If they choose not to watch previous episodes, they're idiots, as far as I'm yep, concerned. Agreed. So that's how I would I would somewhat distinguish. I think that there's a bit more informed consent in that case, but it's still confronting. It's, and yeah. It's, is it necessary? It's, it's not. Yeah.
1: Like, does it make you... I don't know. I, I'm, look, if this is what they do in the SAS to make these people tough, fair enough. But you're right. Like, I mean, obviously, the, the Crows aren't signing up for that. That's not their job. Their job is to go out and kick a footy and run around a field and score more points than the other team. So yeah, it's clearly not required.
0: So Eddie said, things were yelled at me that I had disclosed to the camp's counsellors inverted commas about my upbringing. All the people present heard these things. I was exhausted, drained and distressed about the details being shared. Another camp dude jumped on my back and started to berate me about my mother. Something so deeply personal that I was absolutely shattered to hear it come out of his mouth. One of the young fellows said to me, so this is a little bit further along in the article, I see you as an uncle. I don't really like screaming fuck you at you. In our culture from a young age, our older people are a model of respect to our kids and we quickly learn to reciprocate that respect back towards our elders. In my view, some of the younger brothers were getting angry with these leadership specialists. So a lot of people are talking about it in terms of the Indigenous players and, and the harm it's caused to them. And absolutely. That's 100% true and it is terrible what, what they've experienced. But I actually think it's a bit cynical and a bit disingenuous because I think people are kind of using that to kind of disregard the entire camp in general and all the players' well-being and safety. And I think all the players' well-being and safety was compromised. And I think that it's a bit of a cynic- cynical attempt where the racists in society can go, "Ah, oh, well, they're just whinging and most of the people thought the camp was okay. But... A Josh Jenkins statement came out yesterday. And again, there's a lot here, but it's. I tried to just pull out the kind of moving and important stuff. And there's a lot of moving and important stuff in this statement. It's, it's like so, when you
1: try and take notes in a uni book and you're just uh, <laughs> highlighting the whole page. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, I used to hate doing that.
0: <laughs> it's a little bit like that. So so I'll, I'll quote and, and I will jump around a little bit here. I'm here largely because no one has taken responsibility for what went on and the acceptance that what went on was completely unacceptable bit wordy but it's it's an emotional time. This is my recollection of the camp. I wrote much of what I'm about to read years ago because I knew this day would come. This is good evidence keeping. Most was just stuff you could laugh at post sessions and often we did. The thrusting and screaming was dumb and mind-numbing but we are resilient young men we can easily swipe that away as nonsensical and pointless. But you're desperate to atone for a lost grand final, so you buy in because you're asked to and because you want to believe it's the last hurdle you need to achieve premiership glory. Before our Christmas break, some of our core group were asked to stay back after a meeting to decide who were going to be the 10 players and coaches joining in on the most intensive version of the camp. He was one of them. He says, the sales pitch was a red flag. This will be the scariest thing you've ever done, but the safest thing you've ever done. That's an oxymoron. Mm. As Eddie stated in his book, I also took a phone call with a supposed counselor and again, expressed my desire that my unusual upbringing was of no significance to me as an athlete or teammate. I, in a naive bid to allow these people to improve me, explained to this person how I was raised by my non-biological grandmother and had no meaningful relationship with my parents. I stated more than once, I wanted none of my upbringing to be used or even spoke about during or after the camp. Something that was promised to me, but in my view, A promise that was broken. Our welfare manager who is receiving 90% plus approval ratings in the AFLPA surveys was iced out of discussions and planning as well as everything afterwards. So when your welfare manager has not been included in this, it starts to suggest that they know they're really pushing the boundaries Mm. here. Really pushing that. To me, I think there's a class action lawsuit if they wanted to. Yeah. Which is a shame because, again, the players and the fans are the ones that miss out. The players and the fans, if they do decide to punish Adelaide further...
1: It'll bankrupt the club.
0: Yeah. So it's it's a real difficult one. Real difficult. So he talks about the person being in this harness ritual that I mentioned before with Eddie. He said, following that person's harness ritual, I got up from under the tree we were all sitting under, fronted Don Pike and Heath Uni and said, we lost a game of footy. We are all good people. This is rubbish and I think we should all leave. I specifically asked for assurance pre-camp that nothing regarding my childhood be raised or used during the camp to spur me on or break me down. It's my belief this promise was broken and I'm not certain I'll ever forgive those involved for that. So another thing was that they were kind of coached to say oh I left this camp feeling like a better husband and better teammate and better man and a lot of the people on Twitter and stuff are saying, oh, well, Rory Sloan said this. But when you hear, hear what both Eddie and Josh Jenkins said, they were coached to say it. And they were almost saying it verbatim. And when you're the captain of the club, you've got to feel a lot of pressure to say the right thing. Yep. And Josh Jenkins really stuck his neck out. And they tried, they got rid of him. And he was kind of martyred. Eddie Betts was in the leadership group. He, he spoke about the misfortunes and, and what he thought was wrong. And they dropped him out of the leadership group too. They had no Indigenous players in the leadership group when they make up a significant portion of the list. It's just terrible. It's terrible. So here's something else Jenkins said, I, I'll, I'll kind of, I've still got a lot here, but we're, we're nearly there. Myself and a coach stood up at one session and demanded we all tell each other what happened and the CEO or football manager, I cannot recall exactly who, stood up and said we were unable to because the club had signed confidentiality agreements on everyone's behalf. Okay, so add signing contracts for consent on on behalf of other people to the list. I said I did not sign a damn thing. Some things you cannot unsay. So he undertook activities where they were berating each other and swearing and yelling and carrying on at each other. And and in the heat of the passions, some things can come out. Like he says, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. We've all been there. We've all said stuff in fights with partners or or whatever it might be where we've said shit that we regret. You can't unsay it.
1: I was going to make a Colgate reference, but I don't think I will.
0: No, fair enough. So so I'll just finish here. In the end, I was moved on from the Crows as a problem child, an argument starter, and even in one piece of literature, I saw labelling me cancerous. The only cancer at the club was the idea that taking us on a psychological unsafe camp that was supposedly going to make better parents, siblings, and teammates. I suppose overcoming the loss of a senior coach to a senseless murder and making the finals two months later and making a grand final two years later was not enough. Mm -hmm. Gil McLaughlin on news.com.au yesterday said the difference between finding things that have been frankly disgraceful as opposed to breaking laws or rules is a challenging one to deal with. In terms of lack of action, I don't agree with that either. Look, they're hiding behind the WorkSafe SA investigation into this. I actually, I jumped on Osley and started looking at the act and was looking at definitions. I put my little legal hat on. Yeah,
1: you put your law nerd hat on. I and love
0: it. it. And again, I, I didn't follow through that because we just had too much to prepare for. And I was like, no, this isn't the best use of my time. So I might go back to that. But I, I do think that there's there's some really strong cases here for further action. Yeah. And it's just so sad. It's so sad. Why do we feel the need to do this stuff in today's day and age? Yeah. Why are we breaking people down? Like... This would have been surprising in the year 2000, let alone 2018 or 17. Like, it's very, it's, it's confronting. Yep,
1: well said, well said.
0: Now the next one. A couple of weeks ago, the Manly Sea Eagles have had these pride jerseys that they were going to wear. Now, look, it wasn't handled perfectly. Des Hasler said that there was little consultation or collaboration with any of the key stakeholders, both inside and outside the club. I quote, sadly, this poor management and project management has caused significant confusion, discomfort and pain for many people. None of the coaching staff or players have prior knowledge to the jersey. So look, this one's been dealt with in very black and white terms. There's a lot of grey here. They should have consulted. But a lot of players decided not to play. And it's 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 been a huge deal for the Manly Seagulls.
1: It's a really tricky one, isn't it? Because... I guess you've got people that are choosing not to wear this based on religious and cultural beliefs. Yep. And I had a massive knee-jerk reaction when this came out saying, oh, it's is ridiculous. It's just a a jersey with some colors on it. But the more I think about it, the more I feel like I kind of I don't agree with them, but I understand where the players are coming from.
0: Oh look, we have to we have to respect religious freedom and and religious right to practice and right to views and it's interesting you say that so I was talking about this with my old man and he said that one of the things that probably hasn't been mentioned enough in the media is the idea or concept of honor shame and it's really predominant in in collectivistic societies like many people from the South Pacific Islands and that sort of thing so a lot of these players do live in these cultures where they can become ostracized if they're seen accepting things even if it is a fucking jersey that looks like a centromad if they're seen as 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 kind of condoning inverted commas. So it, you're right. It is it is a bit more grey than the black and white terms that's been discussed.
1: And the thing is, like, in my opinion, it, it's a great idea. It It's more inclusive. It's kind of like how we've obviously just all brought in these Indigenous rounds in the last few years, which are a great idea, you know, getting people more involved. And, and as much as I've been sort of thinking about it and, and as much as I don't agree with it, and it, it does kind of feel a bit homophobic. It's ultimately up to the players and and they reserve the right to have their own beliefs. And even if they're not widely popular or widely accepted, certainly not on social media. I mean, the uproar there was oh, yeah, yeah. ridiculous. But yeah. The, um, I, I, yeah, I guess at the end of the day, it, yeah, it is their right.
0: If they're sincere in the honor-shame stuff, then fair enough. I agree. I do wonder if some players are hiding behind that a little bit. I don't know. One of the ironies is that the team's called Manly.
1: I did I did think that as well. But
0: the team has a connection. So Ian Roberts came out as gay in 1995 as a Manly player, which would have been like, it was, a, it was a different time back then. That would have taken a hell of a lot of guts. Former Sydney rooster Casey Conway, who came out publicly after his career was cut short due to a shoulder injury, said that he was glad players were boycotting. So he said, and I quote, think of the NRLW players that are out and proud leading a way that these men clearly don't want and don't care about. These players are attention-seeking and they aren't team or club players. I'm glad they're sitting this one out and they don't deserve to be a part of something great. Now, that was an interesting discussion that I heard around the place too. Some people actually said, good, I want to know who the bigots are and I don't want them to pretend that they're accepting if they're not. So that's an interesting stance too. Circling back to the religious stuff, again, I respect it. I'm actually the son of a minister. I've I'm agnostic personally, but I am the son of a minister. And and he he himself has, has copped hate and struggled because he does advocate that God loves everyone, including homosexual people or trans people or whoever. God loves everyone is what he thinks. And, and the conservative branches of his church have kind of castigated him for it and, and whatnot. But here's some interesting things that I kind of want to finish with on this one. If sodomy and homosexuality were so bad, it would have been in the Ten Commandments not in the 10 commandments by the way neither thou shalt not rape and thou shalt not hold slaves
1: wow didn't even think about that
0: here's some other stuff deuteronomy chapter 22 verse 11 in the king james version you shall not wear a garment of different sorts such as wool and linen mixed together oh the new revised standard version you shall not wear clothes made of wool and linen woven together So if you're going to be a literalist and take it seriously and you're going to take the the stuff that says you can't be uh, engaging in sodomy, then there's very few clothes you can wear. Get
1: your kid off. So they
0: shouldn't be wearing any jerseys, basically. Yeah, yeah, wow. And, And I'll just also say this. Leviticus prohibits the eating of shellfish. So you can't be literal when it suits you. Either it's all or nothing with the literal stuff. So, yeah.
1: It's an interesting one. It, really it is an interesting
0: is. one. And, and it is, it is gray. And, and I do think that in we're in this almost post-nuance world, which is a real shame. It was interesting. There was a back and forth on Twitter. I think you might've seen it where I was talking about the entertaining nature of the Nick Curios tennis and some guy I bit back and I won't mention his name. We've engaged on Twitter before he might listen. I don't know, but he kind of bit back a little bit. And I said, well, hold on, hold on. Where's the nuance here? Like, okay, Nick has had these accusations against him about domestic violence and whatnot, but does that mean we're not allowed to enjoy the tennis? Like, where do you draw the line? Elvis got together with Priscilla when she was, like, 13. Does that mean we can't listen to Elvis music? Like, where do you draw the line with this stuff? Well, that's it. So so there is a lot of nuance. There is a lot of grey area. And we do rush to kind of have these really strong judgments, but they're really complex situations.
1: They, they are. Look, I think for me personally... I don't agree with their decision, but I respect their right to have it. Yeah, me too. And yeah, I mean, look, hopefully this sort of thing will become a little bit more accepted. And and look, you're right. Maybe it is that the people from those island nations don't get to ever really have that choice, um, which is a shame. But again, we can't fault people for their religious beliefs. I mean, these are these are protected characteristics effectively. So we, yeah, we shouldn't be having a go at people for, for that stuff any more than it feels like they're having a go at people for their sexual orientation yeah yeah, yeah, so,
0: yeah. and look some people do say that religion always wins and and uh, so it's complex it is very complex but I, I agree i think if people are sincere in their beliefs they have a right to choose not to play a game i just wish that they'd handled the situation better and there was a bit more consultation and discussion
1: yeah well if that's it if so it, that's if, the
0: moral of the story if it had
1: been done at the start of the season we wouldn't be having this conversation
0: now, just quickly, some punishments in the NFL doesn't get any better there either, does it? So, the Sean Watson, my god,
1: he at the moment might be one of the luckiest blokes. Well, um, and look again, innocent till proven guilty. We don't know.
0: Well, here's the thing though, right? So he settled, I believe, 23 twenty three or twenty four. Yeah. So settling, oh yeah, yeah. settling a case in, is an admission of guilt.
1: It's it's well, it's a, it is. Well, is it though? It I is. mean, I, I agree with you. So don't think that I'm saying no, but I'm also saying like. Could it also be this is going to be too hard to fight in court? It's just easier to make it go away?
0: Oh, look, there are tactics involved in these things and yeah. there are decisions one have to make and there are occasions where people take plea deals when they're actually innocent in other cases, for yeah, example. That, However, that's it. You're, you are right. However, there's a lot of smoke Besides, around yes, that fire. Exactly. A lot of smoke around yeah, that fire. I've
1: got that here. Where yes. smoke, there's probably fire. Yeah. So the, the thing that I find ridiculous about this, I guess, is having a set punishment of six games at the moment, like he's set to lose $345,000 of a five-year, $230 million deal.
0: Which with the Browns were very... Stupid? Well, maybe not stupid, but geez, it was a massive risk to sign him to that knowing this was hanging over his head. Yeah.
1: But I think the other thing that makes it so ridiculous is that there are so many examples of suspensions in the NFL that are just laughably longer for things that are... You know, you would look at it and go, Well, that's not as bad. There are a couple of them that are, are kind of a little bit tricky. So, like, Miles Garrett suspended indefinitely, ended up being 12 games for tackling Mason Rudolph,
0: which is basically a season 12, and, nearly yeah, a season. Really. Yeah.
1: And hit him in the head with his own helmet. So, yep. he, he, they are
0: cracking down on helmet to helmet contact. He
1: bought a lot. Well, that was helmet to, to head. Because oh, well, yeah. He yeah. used his own. He took Rudolph's helmet and smashed him with it.
0: Oh, I do remember that one now yeah. that you mentioned it. Jeez, so, Yeah. So, yeah. he
1: got 12 games for that. Yeah. And, yeah. Rightly he, so. He hit Rudolph with like the underside of the helmet, so it's not even like he hit him with the hard part. So Rudolph didn't even go down, really. Yeah. And he got, at this stage, 12 games. You've got Calvin Ridley suspended at least 17 games for betting on his own team. Now, I get it.
0: But my understanding was he was betting on his team to win.
1: Yeah, he, I, know, so, I know. So
0: that's a little bit different to... Yeah, yeah. But it's it's not something that should be happening. Well,
1: it's not. It brings the, the entire league's reputation... Into into question,
0: protecting the shield and all that. Yeah, but, but seventeen games—that's more than a full season.
1: Yeah, and and this is again, this is a guy betting that his own team's going to win. It's it's not like he's trying to tank. It's not like like he's saying, oh, "I think that we're going to score a touchdown in this quarter or whatever." It's it happens not like to he's here.
0: purposely fumbling the ball to no. manipulate results. If yeah. He's
1: trying to win. Yeah, he's trying to win.
0: Exactly. That's it. Yeah, yeah.
1: You've got Chris Cook suspended the entire 2011 season for domestic assault charges. Now, I'm not trying to say domestic assault or sexual assault that one's worse than the other because they're both horrible. But and he, they
0: can come in different forms too, of course. They
1: can. He's lost an entire season. Terry Glennon got suspended for the entire 2001 season for failing to report to training camp.
0: Yeah, right. Well, that was probably a team punishment. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Yeah, so I've got some more here too. Vontez Berfic, 12 games for Tug. I do not like that guy. He's a really dirty player. DeAndre Hopkins, six games for performance-enhancing drugs. Martavis Bryant, indefinitely for weed, which is now legal in several states. Josh Gordon, more than two full seasons, 25-plus games for weed as well. Again, legal in many states. Darren Wallace, 16 games substance abuse. So they're almost saying that Violent sexual offences are not as bad as, as smoking a bit it's of gunch. getting high. Yeah. yeah, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And and the NFL has some some egg on its face because they were, there was an issue with Roger Goodell being judge, jury and executioner. So he's put this lady, so someone, I can't remember her name, but she was the independent person who said six games. So that was interesting, very conservative. But they have to appeal it. They
1: have they, to. They do. Yeah. And, and the thing is, the, the thing that I find difficult with this is that there is a precedent, so you go back to Ben Roethlisberger. He had issues in two thousand eight, two thousand ten. Um, you know, the story was that he was at a hotel, asked one of the ladies to come up and fix the TV, and then basically forced himself on her. Mm. And there was a, a couple of other stories, and again, nothing was sort of proven in court, so it's all just accusations. Accusation.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: He was suspended for six games, and eventually, it was sort of brought down when the the, the case was dropped. But we are talking two dozen here. Well,
0: this is the thing. When, so even if you're suspending for, what, half a game per offence? Yeah. It's still a hell of a lot more than what it was.
1: I just don't understand why something like this isn't suspended indefinitely until such time that, you know, you're proven to be not guilty or innocent or whatever it happens. Well, today. if like, there
0: is a case where you could you could say indefinite suspension is appropriate. It is. Yeah.
1: Yep. As I said, we're not talking one woman, we're not talking two, we're talking two dozen here.
0: Yeah.
1: This is and this this is what I was saying at the start is that like it's not proven. That you know, the fact that he's sort of settling out of court doesn't prove anything either.
0: But it's fuck, to, to there's me, a lot of fire, mean, it it, flames
1: around that fire. Like yeah. it's, it it doesn't look good when there's that much smoke. You've you've got to be there's there's gotta be something there.
0: And to me, there has to be some credence in the settlements. Like if there hadn't been any settlement at all, I agree innocent until proven guilty. I Now he's saying that he's done nothing wrong. The Browns are saying that he's contrite, which is at odds with that because you can't show contrition if you don't think you've done anything wrong. Mm. The whole thing is an absolute shit show and it's a lesser punishment than, than the Miami dolphins as well. That's an interesting one too.
1: Yeah. Well, I suppose we'll, we'll quickly touch on that. So There's been a whole bunch of stuff going on. So Miami have lost a 2023 first-round pick, 2024 third-round pick, been fined at least $1.5 million for tampering and trying to lure Tom Brady down on multiple occasions. And Sean Payton. And trying to get Sean Payton to join them. Yep. So I've got a quote from Roger Goodell. He said, I know of no prior instance of a team violating the prohibition on tampering with both a head coach and star player to the potential detriment of multiple other clubs over a period of several years. Similarly, I know of no prior instance in which ownership was so directly involved in the violations.
0: So the owner's been given a suspension, and my understanding is that Fergie might have become one of the top owners of the Dolphins while he's suspended. Fergie oh. of Black Eyed Peas, oh, man. Just don't get her out singing the, the uh, national anthem. <laughs> um yeah, I, again, like the Adelaide situation that we talked about a, a little while ago, it's it's the fans and the players that, that cop the punishment. And that's what's really sad. And so Dominic Foxworth, I saw on, on first take the other day, was saying one first round draft pick is nothing. Like this is a really egregious, brazen attempt. And to only get one draft pick taken off you, it's not it. it will it stop people doing it again?
1: They didn't even get the player. Yeah, Tom Brady didn't even go to them and Sean Payton didn't go to them.
0: Well, because Bill Belichick accidentally sent an SMS to the wrong Brian and Brian Flores had, it's such a fascinating, you can make a a 30 for 30 out of this. I'd love to see a doco on this because it's a really interesting and terrible,
1: yeah. And see, this is interesting. So for me, as not a massive NFL fan. Obviously, I'm more of an NBA fan. To me, I look at it and go, well, first round pick is a pretty decent sort of thing, but you're saying it's not.
0: Well, one of the greatest coaches of all time, the man who many think is the greatest quarterback of all time, it's pretty big fish. Yeah, true. So it's a brazen attempt. And and it's it kind of, some are saying, Dominic Foxworth included, that it's a slap on the wrist. Some people are saying a first round pick is very valuable and that's enough.
1: I suppose it depends whereabouts in the first round it is. I,
0: I think they probably should have been punished a bit more harshly. Okay. Interesting. I'll finish on this Sarah Spain tweet. Tom Brady has been involved in all three forfeited first-round picks in NFL history. 08 Pats illegally videotaping Jets coaches' signal on the sideline during an 07 game. The Spygate thing, by the way, it was much more widespread than just that game. Especially, I told that Carolina Panthers story a number of times. 16 Pats deflating footballs used in the 14 AFC Championship, and now 2022 tampering with Brady and Peyton, the Dolphins. Mm. So there you go.
1: It's bad news. Bad news, Brady.
0: (laughs) All right, Stu, you know what that music means. Final thoughts time.
1: Well, shock horror. Another month goes by and a shit ton of great stories.
0: A lot of confronting, difficult, a lot of interesting stories. Yeah. There were a lot, a of, lot, of, lot of narratives. Yeah. And yeah. we had
1: to basically forego probably 20 minutes worth of great cricket talk as well. But yeah, so. that's
0: true. Yeah, we'll have to get back to that. Yeah. So we'll
1: hopefully talk about that. Some crazy stuff going on out of South Africa. Some real big hitters coming out of France yes, as well. Indeed, so yes. a lot of really great stuff to talk about next time. And look, there'll probably be a bunch more basketball by then as well. Yes,
0: indeed. There always is. Until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm Stu. We are the Sport Plugs.